Welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. So we have got a full schedule for you today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to try to keep this to a manageable episode size. We got five things we want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> the first trickles of M20 spoilers started this past week. So we've got three planeswalkers to talk about with you all. The London Mulligan was officially adopted by the Commander format. So we're going to briefly talk about what we think the impact of that will be. Uh, there was an interesting Command Zone episode released just a couple days ago, which uh, we want to touch on because, it, you know, we love to talk about data and, and what that mm-hmm. can tell us about the format as a whole. They brought on Donald Miner, who's the creator of EDHREC, and talked about some really interesting data. So we're going to go into that. Last week, we challenged the listeners to come up with some designs to fill the holes we'd identified of tribes that don't quite get there in commander they need a legendary creature to really house all the the solid creatures and token generators that they have so we are going to go over some of the ones that were submitted we've got some really interesting designs to talk to you guys about and then finally we're going to go into part two of unsupported tribes all the tribes that we didn't get to last time we're going to go through them, do the same sort of thing, yeah. identify what the strengths and weaknesses of the tribe are, what they might need from a commander that would make them into a cohesive deck. But before we start, I want to briefly talk to you about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get some cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can also help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, we're going to jump right into these spoilers. Ooh, yeah, spoiler time. So from what we've heard, there's only going to be one vertical cycle of Planeswalkers in this set. M20 is going to have Chandra as the, the marquee character. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she's gotten an uncommon, a rare, and a mythic rare design. So the first one is Chandra Novice Pyromancer. It's three and a red for a five loyalty Planeswalker. It has plus one elementals you control get plus two plus oh until end of turn. It has minus one add red red and minus two Chandra deals two damage to any target. What do you think about this card? I don't really think like a deck wants this in particular other than the Chandra combo deck with that new guy who drops a planeswalker into play for one red. Oh, yeah, That's, it's an alternate Chandra Torch of Defiance for the Planebound Accomplice mm-hmm. yeah, combo. Yeah, so that's like the only place I could think that this was really wanted or like warranted. So there are a couple of elemental tribal decks in this format, but most of them I don't think would be interested in this. Yeah, yeah, so, I agree. So for Horde of Notions, you're trying to maximize the value you're getting out of your activation of casting elementals out of your graveyard so for that you really want to be playing like the most expensive elementals possible because you want to be getting more mana out of it than you're putting in that deck seems to be a lot more focused on recurring things like bane of progress or avenger of zendikar or even like omnath locus of rage the really explosive elementals so for that reason they're probably not that interested in anthem it's less about going wide than about harvesting value from your big expensive elementals Mm -hmm. yeah winning the game with the big guys yeah uh there's also omnath locus of rage but omnath both has better options for ramp 
and his elementals are enormous. Yeah, they're, they're all five fives. They're all five five. Like plus two plus O oh, comparatively is not that big of a bonus for tokens that size. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's like super necessary there. There's also Marath Will of the Wild. It's Naya colors, enters the battlefield with a number of plus one plus one counters equal to the amount of mana you spent to cast him. The relevant part of his ability is you can pay X mana to remove X counters and make an XX elemental. So you can pay one, make a one, one elemental. And so he's a lot better at going wide mm-hmm. with elementals early on compared to Omnath or Horde of Notions. Even in that deck, I'm still kind of skeptical yeah. that Chandra is the right card to run because if you're in Naya Colors, you've got access to some really powerful Anthem effects. So you've got things like Triumph of the Hordes. You've got yeah. things like Beastmaster Ascension, Glory of Warfare. Yeah, and even some that like sort of combo with Marath because if you've got Catharist Crusade, any creature that enters a battlefield means you put a plus one plus one counter on all your other creatures. So it's like I remove a counter from Marath to make a guy, put a counter on everything, including Merith. So I'm back where I started, except I paid one mana. I've got another creature, and all my creatures are much bigger. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that with Merith, you still have better options. But I think there might be one or two commanders that can actually use this. So like Valduk, who was an uncommon printed in Dominaria. Essentially, at the beginning of combat on your turn, he makes a 3-1 red elemental for each aura or equipment attached to Valduk. The goal of the deck is to make a bunch of elementals every turn, and he's mono-red, so he doesn't have better options for ramp than this Chandra. And I think that that might be the right deck to that would be interested in this elemental tribal effect. Yeah. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense, just because he will die a lot, Mm -hmm. and... He's a 3-2, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, like, being able to help get him out again as well as, like, pump your board or, like, just the extra mana to equip. That makes sense. The only other commander I can think of that might potentially want this is Rakamar. She's 2 red-red for a 2-2 two, two haste. She has red tap, create a 3-1 red elemental creature token. But she also is kind of weak. I think she'd be different if she was printed now. Yeah, I think that Valduk is probably like the stronger of the two and, mm-hmm. and more likely to better use Chandra. Yeah. There is more though. Now the rare one. Mm-hmm. This is Chandra Acolyte of Flame. A four loyalty planeswalker costs one red red, so three CMC. Has zero. Put a loyalty counter on each red planeswalker you control. Another zero create two one one red elemental creature tokens they gain haste sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step and minus two you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard if that card would be put into your graveyard this turn exile it instead this one seems really good Mm -hmm. like i like this one a lot yeah i I think that the deck that can make the most use out of it is omnath locus of rage Mm mm-hmm Omnath, if you're not familiar with him, it's three red, red, green, green for a 5-5. He has landfall, make a 5-5 elemental. (laughs) And then he also has uh, when Omnath or another elemental dies, you can deal three damage to any target. It's pretty nuts. Pretty powerful. The fact that Chandra makes two elementals every turn and they both die that Mm -hmm. same turn means that in that deck, she can just get multiple bolts every turn, do a decent job of controlling the board. 
Also, your ramp. You can cast your ramp spells for free again. Because it's a landfall deck, it focuses on land-based ramp. So there's plenty of like instants and sorceries that put lands onto the battlefield. And those are perfect to flashback yeah. with Chandra. Yeah, the, most of those cost three or less. So yeah, no, I, I like her a lot. I also like that she's cheap and kind of a team player. But until we get and not attracts a super friend yeah. deck that won't be too relevant most of the time. <laughs> yeah, agreed on, on that last part. I don't think that running her specifically to make use of her first ability is a mm-hmm. great idea. Mm-hmm. All right. The last Chandra we have is four red red. It's called Chandra Awaken Inferno. And it's six loyalty. It has a static ability. This spell can't be countered. Zayum. Plus two. Each opponent gets an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals one damage to you. Zayum. <laughs> Minus three, Chandra deals three damage to each non-elemental creature. And minus X, Chandra deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a permanent dealt damage this way would die this turn, exile it instead. This isn't the kind of planeswalker I would normally counter in Commander. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that will come up too often. Someone on Twitter thought it was cute how uh, this Chandra doesn't blow up elementals like the ones nissa makes mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah i was thinking cute. about that too it's cool how all of these have some sort of synergy with elementals mm-hmm. yeah so she doesn't hurt her girlfriend's pets mm-hmm. is what they were saying and it's also nice that they're just narrowing chandra's focus a little bit so that they can design other red planeswalkers <laughs> and differentiate them a little bit i agree i think it was kind of hard for them like tibble obviously has some hooks that he could hang his hats on but I think Jaya, they had to be like, yeah. Mm, <laughs> how do we make this different from the Jaya's? other pyromancer? Yeah, the plus two is good, but not as good in a forty life format. It's yeah. much much better in a twenty life format. This thing costs six mana. Yeah, and the idea that you're like pinging for one a turn mm-hmm. off of your six mana thing is just not that impactful. Yeah. Well, eventually it could be if they don't kill it. They're taking maybe more. Yeah. But the game's got to be pretty slow Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Chandra to really hammer you to death. The easiest point of comparison is one of the other six mana Chandras, Chandra Flamecaller. Chandra Flamecaller, her plus ability makes two three one elementals that have haste and get sacrificed at the end of turn. She has minus X, deal X damage to each creature. And because she starts with four starting loyalty, she can basically do the same thing of just wipe everything for three and still remain on the board or wipe everything for four if you really need that to happen. The really great thing about Chandra Flamecaller is that she has that zero ability, which is discard your hand, then draw that many cards plus one. And that's a really important distinction, like the ability to just ditch all your bad cards, get a whole new hand plus one. It's so much stronger than what this Chandra are doing. I I agree, too. This one is much more tuned for standard. And as we've said many times on the show, that usually doesn't bode well for commander play. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are going to be games like people want to play with new cards. So you're going to see the Chandra played and it's plus two is going to be like annoying. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get stories of people on the Internet saying like, oh, no. And then I died to like eight Chandra emblems or something. (laughs) And like. That's going to be the exception, I think, yeah, more than if, the rule. If you are letting this Planeswalker survive for enough turns for you to accumulate like a lot of emblems, yeah. then another Planeswalker would have killed you even faster. Yeah, exactly. 
I, I do think it's interesting that this is probably going to be the cycle for corsets. Like mm-hmm. last time it was Ugin and Bolas mm-hmm. that were kind of the focus, specifically Nickel Bolas. So the fact that it's Chandra this time means that like, what are they going to do next year? Who are we getting three copies of next year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the M20 spoilers we've seen so far. The next spoiler season is officially starting on Monday. So day so, this episode yeah. goes live. Yeah. Speaking of uh, other recent developments, we've adopted the London Mulligan officially as the format's mulligan. Although it is worth noting that you do still get a free mulligan. Mm -hmm. Have you had a chance to try the London Mulligan? What impact do you think it's going to have on Commander? Oh, I've only tried it in Limited because they had the most confusing release date for London Mulligan ever. They're like, on July 4th, or on the 12th, or right now, <laughs> if your store is okay with it, but definitely by the 4th or the 12th. And you're like, what, is that? <laughs> what does that mean? So I used it in Limited, and it was great. It was great there. Um, I think the big thing is going to be just most Commander games that I played in most non-store Commander groups use friendly mulligans, as long as you're not being a jerk about it, like no one really cares so i think this will have like the most impact on other formats but will help in store play in general yeah there's only one person who i've played a considerable (laughs) number of games with who like would abuse friendly mulligans oh yeah but for the most part like my play group i don't think it's going to be a significant change yeah like if you're worried about combo decks taking over with the london mulligan i think you need to when we did our edh deep dive the edh rec deep dive like combo decks were like severely underrepresented so if you are playing in a store using the london mulligan with the combo player and you notice them like taking advantage of this like maybe they're gonna get more value out of it but like if they really can mold down to three or four just to find their combo pieces you probably need to have a talk with that person anyway about what kind of deck they're playing mm-hmm. <laughs> that just oh. needs a card or two cards like to work that's a different problem than yeah (laughs) you can sort of handle that through social channels like i don't want to play against that deck can you please play something else yeah that kind of thing yeah exactly i think overall it is a good thing Mm -hmm. all right moving on uh there was a recent command zone episode that i thought was very interesting so donald miner the creator of edh rec was on their show and he talked about a couple things, including like recent changes to EDHREC. So EDHREC recently changed from historical decklist data going back pretty much as, as far as they could scrape it mm-hmm. to just the last two years. You actually can't see decks that are more than two years oh. old on EDHREC anymore. And the benefit of that is that there's not so much like historical data clogging things up yeah because the format has definitely changed over time and it's nice that you get a snapshot of what the format looks like right now rather than what people thought were good five years ago or, yeah. or <laughs> 10 years ago or longer. exactly another thing that they they focused on in this discussion about the site and its data what commanders were most popular over time the commanders that started out strong and sort of maintained their lead over the other commanders in their set. So they they identified like a couple characteristics 
of commanders that really had that longevity and like maintained their popularity. Just from the the examples they used, it seemed like the most popular commanders don't lead to good stuff. The commanders yeah. that like make previously unplayable cards playable or like otherwise restrict how you build your deck seem to be much more popular. Yeah. So they gave a couple examples. Gishath is much more popular than Zakama. Even though they're in the same colors, they're both kind of like expensive commanders. commanders. But Zakama is more generally useful. I believe you played a Zakama oh, yeah. deck for a while. Oh yeah, I had it. I recently took it apart, but you just needed to ramp up to nine and then that's it. And then when you characterize it as like a powerful deck. Oh yeah, it was very strong. <laughs> we have a Gishath deck in our play group. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is the stronger commander? <laughs> I would say I would say Zakama is the stronger commander. Mm-hmm. I would say you can just do more. And then once Zakama is down, like, it's pretty hard to lose at that point. Because at bare minimum, you blew up three things. And like if you're behind, you gain a bunch of life. But Gishath just kind of like, Gishath hit. Gishath dinosaur. <laughs> Gishath hurt you. And that's the play style. It's very splashy, but like people love it yeah yeah if you look at the data gishath is the most popular naya commander yeah with almost 1400 decks and zakama despite being stronger and giving you a lot more room to build your deck how you want it is still under 600 decks so a huge disparity between the two commanders what they suggest on the show and what i agree with is that people like that gishath brought a ton of cards into the format yeah there's all these dinosaurs that you definitely cannot play unless you are using Gishath as your commander. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zakama did not really alter the landscape of the format, didn't no. really change the pool of available cards. Another example they used was Ravnica Allegiance. If you look at Tesa Karlov versus Prime Spreaker Vanifar, who, who would you say is the more powerful commander of the two? I mean... V- Vanifar. And which yeah. is the more powerful colors? Uh, the the blue-green, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. 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 But surprisingly, Tesa Karlov has almost four times as many decks on EDH rec. Tesa Karlov is at about 950 as we oh, geez, record okay. this. Yeah, yeah. And Prime Speaker is at less than 250. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Enormous disparity between the two of them. And part of that is probably because like Prime Speaker, it kind of plays the same way every time. That's yeah. another thing they identified. People like some variety in their gameplay. Commanders that tutor, they get Often, old pretty quickly. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And Tesa Karlov encourages you to play with like a specific subset of cards that might not normally see play. Yeah. And also another thing that they brought up that I totally agree with is the effect of character. Oh, yeah. And story. Prime Speaker Vanifar was introduced in Ravnica Allegiance. It's not somebody that anyone really has an attachment to. Yeah. But Tesa Karlov, she's been in all three Ravnica blocks. She was the protagonist in the original Ravnica Mm storyline. There's a lot of people who like her a lot. So there's a lot going for her. And I think that's a big part of the reason why she's popular. And then another example that's more clearly just the effect of character and story rather than like encouraging you to build a specific way is Nicol Bolas the Ravager. Yeah. So Nicol Bolas the Ravager coming out of M19 wasn't the most popular of the legendary dragons. It was, I believe, Arcades the Strategist far and yeah. away and 
that's probably because he did that same thing of bringing a bunch of cards into the format, allowing people to to build around something specific rather than just like, here's a powerful commander, you can do whatever you want with it and you're still going to win. Yeah, yeah. But they saw an interesting trend in the data where right around six months ago, sort of like as Ravnica Allegiance was coming out and as we started getting some more information about War of the Spark and how it was going to be centered around Nicol Bolas and this big war... Like there was a surge of interest in Nicol Bolas the Ravager decks. And even though that Nicol Bolas the Ravager like doesn't easily offer you a direction to build around, yeah. because he became like the forefront of the story, he had a surge in popularity. And now he's not that far behind Arcades the Strategist. He's at just under 800 decks. Arcades is at about 1,100 decks. I literally last night met someone who made a nickel bolus the ravager deck because of like story stuff mm-hmm. so it's funny how like this kind of like it speaks to my experience too like uh-huh. this seems to be the thing we have a friend who has made a nickel bolus like tribute deck it just has all the cards with him in it so like that makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> going forward i hope that wizards is sort of paying attention to edh rec because it gives a good window into what players like yeah and so hopefully they can design more of that sort of thing in the future like designing commanders that bring new cards into the format that were previously unplayable another good example of that would be feather mm-hmm. because other than say like zeta nobody was running all those cheap cantrips so that's something that wizards can design to how do we enable a subset of previous unplayable cards And also, like, how can we go back and find popular characters and design to them so that their fans can have something to to latch on to? And they did a great job of that in Modern Horizons by bringing in Yawgmoth and Urza into the format. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a really interesting episode. I recommend all of you check it out. And I think now we can move on to the custom card submissions from the last episode so just a quick reminder last time we talked about basically all the most popular tribes all the tribes that appear on the most creatures and then the unsupported tribes that we focused on were soldier spirit cleric beast rogue horror insect giant and construct we got a bunch of submissions and Uh, I think for most of those tribes, we got at least one interesting commander Mm. that we can talk about today. There's a lot of caveats here because some tribes got more commanders than we're able to talk about. We also just got so many submissions and this episode is already going to go decently long. We're not going to be able to bring up all of your things. But again, we're going to try and do this again because we like seeing all your designs. So if we don't mention a design that you submitted like don't feel bad we'll do more of these it seems like people like this a lot yeah during the the second half of today's episode we're going to be talking about more unsupported tribes there's going to be another opportunity and i think during yeah. spoiler season we, we can will try and try wedge to work it in. in yeah some of those designs because otherwise we're just going <laughs> to be talking about spoilers forever we can't just have it be a spoiler show yeah <laughs> so we're going to start off with soldiers We've got one here from follower of Liliana. This is Maleva Battle-Tested General. It's one red-white for a 3-3 human soldier. It has tap and untapped soldier you control. Target creature gains your choice of haste or lifelink until end of turn. Tap three untapped soldiers you control. Until end of turn, target creature must block if able. When that creature dies this turn, draw a card. And tap five untapped soldiers you control. Amass five. 
So put 5-1-1 counters on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a 0-0 white and red soldier army creature token first. There's a lot going on with this card. Yeah. I gotta say, I like this design a lot more than Kumena, Tyrant of Araska. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's a lot easier easier to clog the board with soldiers because they have so many efficient token generators yeah whereas there's like deep root waters or one or two merfolk token generators yeah, but for the most part doesn't really work there's not many of them also it's way 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 easier for soldiers to have vigilance there's mm -hmm. so many things that give soldiers vigilance or you're in white so there's so many cards that give things vigilance so you can very easily still attack and then get a lot of benefit out of this and then be like, ah, you don't block, I'm going to amass five. I like that a lot. So as for the first ability, giving a creature haste or lifelink, I like giving haste. Having a haste granting ability as a rider on your commander is super useful, comes up a lot. More red commanders should do that. <laughs> Definitely. So I'm really happy about that. Lifelink, I don't know if that's as relevant. I think there could be another combat-related ability that would make more sense for soldiers, be a little bit more flavorful. I'm thinking that like first strike is more closely associated with soldiers, so that could be an opportunity. Like there's other tribes that are more closely associated with lifelink. What do you think about the second ability here? The second one is interesting. I think this is probably the most contentious one mm -hmm. because it says draw a card not on a white card. Mm -hmm. But if you tapped three soldiers, that's fine. I think this is actually pretty good. So it's the until end of turn target creature must block if able. When that creature dies this turn, draw a card. So basically dogpiling on one of their creatures and killing it and drawing a card. And that's pretty good. But again, like you did have to build into it. You did have to tap three creatures and then they had to block. Their creature had to be untapped and then it had to die. So mm -hmm. there's like a laundry list of things you have to get through before you can just draw a card. Yeah, I think that ability is pretty fair. Yeah. To me, it seems flavorful. Like, yeah, you're killing something, but it is happening through combat damage. If white and red were ever going to draw cards, that would be, like, the most fair. The flavor of that is there, too, where, like, yeah, this battle-tested general is like, you guys do this to corner them, and then we'll kill them. Like, kind of sculpting battle that way, like, seems like the point mm -hmm. of the card, too. <laughs> I like the amass ability. I don't know if you can redefine, like, the creature types and yeah, the colors this way. Yeah, I think that maybe it would be better to just spell this out, but I like that it synergizes with the other abilities. Like you can make this giant soldier token, you can give it haste, you can force something to block it. It's a good reward for having a ton of small guys. Yeah, they'd probably just have to say like a mess soldier, soldier a mess five or something like, or even just like spell it out, like just like yeah. Put five one one counters on an army you control. If you don't control one, create a uh, zero yeah. zero white and red soldier army creature token first. Yeah. But yeah, super cool. Mm -hmm. All right. We've got a bunch from Brock. Brock gave us a bunch of designs. We're just going to whittle it down to ones that don't overlap with the other tribes that we got submissions for. One of them is Gracious Wind. It is white, blue, black, red, green. So five colors for a legendary spirit. Whenever an ability of another spirit you control is triggered, that ability triggers an additional time. Whenever an ability of another spirit you control is activated, create a 1-1 colorless spirit creature token with flying and protection from colorless. 
So I like the first ability a lot. Yeah. Uh, I did just a quick gatherer search, and there are tons of strong triggered abilities on spirits. Yeah. You've got things like Edelon of Blossoms, Primordial Sage, Brago, Bygone Bishop, Sovereigns of Lost Alara, Drogskull Reaver. There's, there's some strong stuff that just gives you generically powerful rewards. Yeah. And this also just generically rewards all the Kamigawa spirits that had the spirit craft. So like even if you're not building into the strongest versions of this ability you still are going to get some value out of it yeah you'll get something out of it the second ability i don't know if it's as necessary because i was looking at the spirits with activated abilities there's a couple standout ones like dead eye navigator has an activated ability but sometimes sometimes (laughs) but for the most part there just weren't that many strong spirits with activated abilities that i was super keen on running so i don't know if that part is as necessary but I like the first ability, plays well with a lot of spirits out there, making it all five colors makes sense. And it's certainly much, much better spirit design than Okogachi. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. Next, we've got Studious Archivist. This is a cleric tribal design. It's three white-black for a legendary cleric. This is also from Brock, by the way. It's a 2-4. Whenever you would sacrifice a cleric, you may put it into its owner's hand instead. Whenever a cleric you control dies, draw a card. I think maybe you could word this a little better. The way I'm understanding this is whenever a cleric would die, you can sort of make a choice between returning it to your hand or just drawing a card. Yeah. I think that's a a good reward. Like there are a lot of clerics that want to die, a lot of cleric sacrifice outlets. The only thing you got to worry about is, is there a problem with repetitive play? Yeah, no, you just have to look into it to be careful. When you're designing cards, you just got to make sure to do your research. If there's like a three cards plus your general combo, that's probably fine. That happens every now and then. So like if you need conspiracy and then this sack outlet and then this cleric and your commander out, then like that's probably yeah <laughs> passable. But if it's like just this cleric and any of these 10 sack outlets yeah. and your commander, that might be that might be a little, a little too, too good. good. Yeah. Moving on. This one is this one would probably be a silver border design, but it's not something that they've explored a lot. It seemed kind of interesting. Call of the Murder one blue white for a legendary bird it's a tutu flying and whenever you cast an uncommon bird draw a card (laughs) whenever you cast a common bird create a one one blue bird creature token this design just kind of tickled me because even on silver border designs they so rarely mention rarity yeah and there are actually a fair number of playable uncommon birds yeah i did a quick search and there's something like 19 ones that are like cmc3 or less that like you wouldn't be embarrassed to play (laughs) so that's actually pretty strong the one downside of this card and and this is tricky for a lot of tribal designs because for many tribal designs they have to be designed in such a way that they can support tokens and like actual physical cards so for this one it only rewards you when you cast birds so things like migratory root or some of the other strong bird token generators don't actually interact with this ability at all but yeah like cast thing draw card is a pretty standard hoop and reward and it's certainly much better than kangi airy keeper i I like that this kind of looked at an angle like what's one of the things birds have in common oh they're not very high rarities Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like use that that's like a cool outside the box kind of way of thinking about it it was definitely uh, clever design 
Last one from Brock is Endless Faces. It's four blue-black for a legendary zombie horror. It has Intimidate and Shroud. A little bit of a throwback there. It's a 5-5, and it has whenever a horror you control attacks, sacrifice that creature. Then put target horror creature in your graveyard onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So that's pretty interesting. I think that works pretty well with a lot of the features and and characteristics of the horror tribe. Horrors like to die. There's also a decent number of discard outlets that are horrors. So you can sort of play like a mind slicer or something and then use your wharf infiltrator or your thought gorger to get some sort of powerful horror in your graveyard. And then Mm -hmm. you attack Mm -hmm. with the mind slicer, sacrifice it, get something even stronger into play in its stead. So it seems cool. The only thing I would worry about is like, this means you get to mind slicer every other turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wins pretty hard. But it works really, really well with the strongest horrors at the moment. So I like this commander a lot. I like that the thing you see coming at you isn't the thing that hits you. Like that gameplay is really cool. Yeah, I would just recommend maybe cutting the shroud because this is an engine that can kind of win the game on its own if left unchecked. I wouldn't want to make it hard to interact yeah. with. Next, we have a design from Sage in the 805. This is another horror tribal commander. It is Nerid the Burdened. One black black for a 2-3 human minion. Horror creatures cannot attack you unless their controller sacrifices another creature. Whenever a horror creature enters the battlefield under your control, create a creature token that's a copy of that creature under target opponent's control. Except it has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose life equal to this creature's power. This is an interesting horror tribal commander. It reminds me a lot of Zancha. Yeah, I was going to say Zancha. Also, if anyone knows anything about the story of like Chainer, this is like very similar to that too. So I really like this design for that reason. Basically, like Chainer would make these horrors, like he'd summon these horrors, and eventually, like because of the Mirari, like he couldn't stop doing it, and eventually, like everything went crazy, and that was like the Spark Notes version of Torment Block. Chainer is in this pit with Kamal, and they become friends, but then Chainer like gets too powerful and can't like handle all of the horrors coming out of his brain. Interesting. So that's what this reminds me of. I have like concerns on this one. One is there are some horrors that it works really well with. So for example, hunted horror, like you pay black black for a 7-7 and then an opponent has a 7-7 that deals 7 to them every turn and is hard for them to attack you with. Yeah. I'm wondering though if like it discourages you from playing with the best horrors because like you don't really want to run your ravenous chupacabra if your opponent can then use it to kill your commander. Oh, that's true. Or like your faceless butcher or your phyrexian gargantua. Yeah. Like a lot of the strongest horrors have ETB effects that I'd be reluctant to give away for free. Yeah. Do you think this guy would be too good if he had protection from horrors? Definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, like that, that might be a way to solve that too. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, it's a cool design. All right. We've got one from Raphael. This is a giant tribal commander. It's two white red for a three, four giant shaman. Giant spells you control have Convoke. Whenever you cast a giant spell, create a white 0-1 goat token, and you can sacrifice a creature to exile the top card of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. I really like granting giants Convoke. Yeah. They all tend to be pretty expensive, so like finding some way to reduce their cost makes a lot of sense to me. I also like that there's a mechanism for card advantage 
it's fun playing with goats and that, that a flavor was like present in Lorwyn because yeah. there was like cloud goat ranger. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering if it might not be better to just like cut out the middleman of the goat token and have it be like whenever you cast a giant spell, exile the top card of your library until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. I like making a goat because it's funny. It fits in the Lorwyn flavor. But I think that you can do other things when you have multiple creatures because mm-hmm. then this also like help you convoke out more things too so i think there's just like different angles you can take and i think this like flavorful version of it is fine you know what? i think you're right because a lot of tribal decks have trouble dealing with board wipes yeah but with this like okay you wrath the board i would lose four giants so i'm gonna sack them all and i essentially draw that many cards so it's a way to rebuild after you get wrath the way that this was assembled is interesting because it gives you kind of more like handholds than just the straight up card advantage when they put these little flavorful hooks into these cards you have it gives more, you more to build around exactly but like and i'm not just like i'm gonna put all the best red white cards in or something mm-hmm. all right next we've got storm crow legend storm crow legend submitted a construct tribal design it's onogman junkyard tyrant six for a four four legendary artifact creature construct whenever a construct you control dies Put X plus one plus one counters on target artifact creature you control, where X is the power of the creature that died. It also has two, sacrifice another artifact. Onogmon, Junkyard Tyrant gets plus two plus O and trample until end of turn. It's a sack outlet for eggs shenanigans and like to to trigger your scrap trawler or your workshop assistant. So that's useful. I think that's one of the things we mentioned in our last episode is that there were a surprising number of death triggers on constructs oh yeah i mean even just with modular and then it seems like the best way to play this guy probably would just be to put all the counters on him and then give him plus two plus oh and trample yeah (laughs) and just kind of voltron it out so he's both a a win condition and like a piece for your engine yeah and then it makes certain constructs really good there's arc bound reclaimer Mm -hmm. like you can get all the things back and like sack your artifacts to put counters on them or sack the constructs to do that the deck would play really interestingly i think even though it is like in essence a voltron deck so thank you to everyone who submitted designs if you submitted one and we didn't get to it sorry but we've got a lot of content this episode and as we've said before there are going to be more opportunities yeah like right now you like right now So we are going to jump right into the remaining unsupported tribes, and we are going to cut it off when we get a little bit lower, because there is a a point beyond which there's just not enough creatures in the type to make a deck. Last time, we left off with Construct. This time, we're going to start with Eldrazi. Eldrazi is an interesting one, because there's sort of like this dichotomy between the Rise of the Eldrazi Eldrazi and then the Battle for Zendikar Eldrazi. There's not quite a consistent characteristic among them yeah on the one hand you've got a clear colorless color identity with these enormous guys and if that's all you're focusing on then you probably want a lot of cost reduction or mana generation but if you're including like the devoid eldrazi then you are going to be in all five colors like you're going to want a different kind of reward and it might be something that enables processing processing just didn't have enough you could get cards exiled really easily Mm -hmm. but there were just not that many good processing rewards like getting some scions is not super exciting or like my guy is a seven seven now 
that's an opportunity to build around. And then on top of that, there's also all the Eldrazi token generation. Yeah. Because there's so many cards that make zero one spawn back in Rise of the Eldrazi. And then there's a bunch of newer cards that make Eldrazi Scions. Building around those would also be a completely different deck from yeah. those first two we mentioned. So building Eldrazi Tribal is going to be a really big challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a bunch of different directions you can go in. And we're excited to see what you guys might submit for that. I'm not entirely entirely sure what the right direction to go is yeah i don't think there's one correct one i think you could do like a really cool like token guy and i think you could do a really cool devoid guy i think like all three of the things and then just big colorless eldrazi like i think there's something for each of them but like i don't know if there's something for all of them Mm -hmm. but there, there probably is maybe there is yeah like with the spawn and scions Maybe what you could do is like have additional token production or maybe have like making spawn and scions be the reward somehow for committing to this tribe. Yeah. Because then like that gives you a mechanism for casting your bigger Eldrazi Titans. Yeah. But working in the Devoid cards and like if you wanted to somehow get the processors in there too, that would be really It'd be hard. Yeah. I think like... Because the Devoid cards are less focused, I think. Yeah, they really are, because it was all five colors. (laughs) So, interesting. I think that's like an interesting challenge. Yeah, we encourage you all to find a way to make that work, because I'm sure you'll come up with something cool. Next, we have Scouts. So they're primarily concentrated in green. There's also a surprising number of good ones in white. Yeah, weird. Uh, I did a quick look through them. It looks like there's about 29 good ones. Heck yeah. So they're all pretty small. They tend to have something to do with lands. Yeah. And I think I have a good idea for what the reward might be. Explore is an interesting mechanic in that 60% of the time it's a buff and 40% of the time it just gets you a land. But either half of that works pretty flavorfully with scouts. Like scouts, maybe when they enter the battlefield or when they attack, you get to explore. Oh, yeah. So that'll put a counter on them, make them a little bit bigger, or potentially like find you more lands, which just feels really on theme. Yeah, like, I totally agree. Yeah, like scouts exploring. I feel like it's got to... <laughs> There's something gotta, there. There's something There's there. something there. After Eldrazi and Scout, the next most common creature type is Wall, with just over 120 members. Yeah. Wall does not have a commander that explicitly calls them out, but it has a de facto commander, which is Arcades the Strategist. Yeah. So I think that that is pretty well covered. Yeah, we don't really need to talk about what that would be. Next, we've got Artificer, with also about 120 members. Primarily concentrated in blue, but it shows up in all five colors. That's a weird thing also. <laughs> yeah. I think that's attributable to Kaladesh, though. Was, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not entirely sure Artificer Tribal is necessary. No. Because the one common thread among them is that they really like artifacts. And what tends to happen is that if you build an artifact deck, you're going to be tossing in a bunch of artificers anyway. Yeah. So something like a Thanos deck. Well, of course I'm going to put in like Vidalcan Archmage yeah. and Quicksmith Genius and yeah, Goblin Welder, yeah. all these things. Because there's already a deck that has all of the things that they like and naturally wants to run a ton of them i don't think it's super necessary to build an artificer tribal commander i agree but the next one's really cool so after artificer we get golem golem has just about 110 members 
What are some of the common characteristics of golems? They're typically artifacts. They're usually like three threes, so they're medium to large. They had like a cycle of splicers back in New Phyrexia and kind of have kept that kind of thing going. There's kind of like a build a bear aspect to golems sometimes. Mm hmm. 91 of 111 of them cost four plus mana that's pretty nuts yeah so they tend to be expensive so i was thinking like cost reduction would maybe make sense especially since there are some extremely expensive golems like ancient stone idol is a golem that costs 10 mana yeah there's some that people really like that are just like massively expensive yeah and there's one golem in particular that gave me an idea for a tribal reward and that is mycosynth golem It itself has affinity for artifacts, and it says artifact creature spells you cast also have affinity for artifacts. So I was thinking like affinity for artifacts would be a decent reward. Like it's a shame that planeswalkers can't be used as commanders because like Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, would actually be a pretty solid golem commander. But I think that you could easily just toss that onto like a colorless golem legend or maybe even like white artifact creature because like the only real golem tribal effects are the splicers which grant you know vigilance or first strike or plus one plus one or flying maybe expanding the color identity to bring those in would be a good idea no i agree i think we're gonna keep just moving down the line so next we have demons yeah (laughs) with 100 members they're concentrated in black and red there's Kalia for sure and then you could argue that the newest Rakdos, Rakdos the Showstopper, is also Demon Tribals. Or even the first Rakdos, Rakdos the Defiler. Oh yeah, I love Rakdos. After that is Sliver with just over 100 members. Slivers yeah. are doing great. They're solid. Ally with also about 100 members. Yep. They're good. They're good. Below that is Pirate with about 90 members. Well, they have a commander that calls out pirates. I wouldn't say that that's like a good pirate commander. So sad. We've talked about this before, so maybe we don't need to go too far into it. But essentially, committing to pirates is already really difficult. Yeah. There's not that many... There's not that many good ones. They were only in like two sets ever to say, I'm going to forsake all other creature types and just run pirate it's a big commitment and beckett brass she doesn't really reward you for running pirates she rewards you for running pirates and then hitting a single player with three of them in a single (laughs) combat step it's making it so 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 hard to get the reward like the the hoop is so tiny and the reward is pitiful there's definitely an opportunity to improve on the existing pirate tribal commander heck yeah but we've got a bigger problem, so we're going to move on to the next one. <laughs> so next is Worm. It would literally a bigger problem. Yeah. <laughs> that has about 86 members. It's primarily concentrated in green. I did a quick look to see how many good ones there were. Um, oh, it's, it's rough. There's only about yeah. 15 good ones. Yeah, they're usually limited fodder. It's usually like a 7-6 for 6 or something. Yeah, they tend to be expensive. The good ones start at 5 mana and go up from there. There's a lot of strong white worm cards because you've got Enlisted Worm, which has Cascade. Nova Blast Worm, which when it attacks, destroy all other creatures. Yep quite powerful and then there's armada worm has some excellent art it's a six cost five five worm that enters the battlefield you make another five five worm yeah it's great 
there's some good stuff there, but it's going to be really hard to fill out a deck if you only have 15 options. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, that's really true. So I think that even with the right worm commander, this is probably going to take a couple of years to fill out. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like 25 plus is when you start getting into safe territory. Yeah. But you really don't want to just be running vanilla creatures. You want to be running like actual good cards. Yeah, cards that you're happy playing with. All right, next we have shapeshifters. This is kind of a funny one because like what people tend to think of as shapeshifters are concentrated in blue yeah but because of the existence of changelings they're actually spread across all five colors all the colors but i assume that if you wanted to build a shapeshifter tribal deck it would be focusing on clones which is what shapeshifters tend to be there's a couple good opportunities to design around it for example almost all clones have zero power and toughness while they're in your hand or in the graveyard another thing you can do is like clones work really really well with blink effects because yeah. you can reset them or if there's an etb creature on the battlefield you can copy it and get that etb trigger so i was thinking like Brago might be the de facto commander for shapeshifters because you you get that opportunity to blink them there's hooks to build around. I'll say that for him. Yeah, and I think that it would be interesting to see like what could be done with that. Mm-hmm. Excited to see the designs that people come up with. Yeah. The next is Illusions. Illusions. Ooh. So there's 82, but sadly there's only like 13 good ones. <laughs> A lot of them die when you target them. Yeah. That's not super fun. Notably, they're mono blue. Phantasmal Image and Palancron are here, and they do produce infinite mana. So that's something to think about <laughs> when you're designing for these guys. Yeah, if, if you're not familiar with Palancron, it uh, is a seven cost illusion. It's a four five flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, untap up to seven lands, and you can pay two blue blue to bounce it back to your hand. So Phantasmal Image is one in a blue for a 0-0 zero, zero that enters the battlefield as a copy of another creature. It's up to it says an, an illusion, and if it gets targeted, you sacrifice it. So if you have Palancron on the battlefield and yeah. you cast Phantasmal Image, you can copy the Palancron, untap seven lands, and then because it has Palancron's activated ability, you can bounce it back to your hand for four mana. You net yeah, one net mana, mana on each cycle. I was thinking that it's a shame that there's only 13 good members, and I'm not going to pull this card too often because i think it's a little bit of a cop-out <laughs> but you can you could sort of get around the fact that a tribe has too few members if you make a tutor commander that tutors for that tribe mm. so this might be an opportunity because it has few members because there's two combo pieces that are of the same tribe maybe there's an opportunity there yeah but, maybe i think like as long as the tutoring is narrow enough i think like the momir vig tutoring was just like too good yeah but i think if there's a way to do it that's fun like oh if i do this i can tutor for an illusion mm-hmm. so i think that kind of hoop could be fun yeah. especially because you're playing with such an underpowered tribe <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> moving on we got werewolves i actually looked into it and there are 20 werewolves that i would like not oh be yeah embarrassed to play if oh definitely right award so that is a decent hit rate like 50 percent. yeah it is really good i think that the great thing about werewolves is that um they all they have like a built-in anthem like yeah. the werewolf side is the anthem if your werewolves are always the night side when you want them to be you're getting like under costed fat most yeah. of the time 
So I was thinking that a decent reward would be just like giving them haste and then transforming them into beast mode at the beginning of combat on your turn. That is enough to like do the werewolf thing yeah. to feel good about it. Yeah, to give you some way to transform them. That's all they want. Yeah, because like, in Commander, like you're not really going to get people passing the turn without casting any spells. Yeah, not often at all. Mm-hmm. It's very often that they'll cast two or more spells in a turn. Yeah. Some commander that just makes it so that they are werewolves when it counts. They're mm-hmm. the big guys when it counts. That's all you really need. And haste. Yeah. So we're going to shoot through the few of them that aren't super buildable. So we got drakes. They're usually small to medium flyers. They're very weak. They're concentrated in mono blue. I don't think you guys need to worry about that. Yeah. Sorry, drake lovers, but it's not worth it to make a drake. Yeah, commander. I don't like his songs anyway. Um <laughs> snakes are after that this is a whole other can of worms i think we're not gonna talk about (laughs) yeah let's just say like you've got sashiro the anointed snakes are concentrated in green he's your mono green snake tribal commander he does everything you would want a tribal commander to do he's pretty solid just be happy with that yeah just be happy with that we don't talk about the other guy next is hound that is purely limited fodder yeah there's 77 of them over the years of magic that have gone by and they're pretty bad they're all pretty bad coming in after that is archers there's 76 of them they're mostly concentrated in green other than having like one payoff great bodoyan yeah i don't got much going. I, I don't think it's worth building around archers yeah sorry archer they, they don't really have a lot going on reach is kind of hard to build around mm-hmm. the show's good though avatar so guess what they're in all five colors they're expensive they usually require a ton of colors Mm -hmm. so there is something you could do there i was thinking like if you could do something that felt like a ritual it would be pretty cool yeah that'd be cool i'm thinking like a maybe a cryptic gateway sort of effect Mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with cryptic gateway it allows you to tap two untapped creatures you control and put a creature that shares a type with them onto the battlefield under your control tapping creatures it's been used to suggest like praying in terms of flavor maybe like you tap three creatures creatures or maybe three creatures of a certain type and then you get to put an avatar from your hand onto the battlefield under your control that'd be fun there's there's a few different ways to do that basically like there's a lot of different flavorful ways to have big guy in hand be on field bust that out let's see how that goes (laughs) the next one is dinosaurs we talked about that they're doing okay could do better moving on to fairies there's something to build around there there's some decent ones they tend to fly they tend to be small a decent number of them have flash they're concentrated in blue and black i don't know if we're quite there yet in terms of the number of playable members i think it might take another trip to lorwyn shadowmore mm-hmm. to to make that work but maybe you could do something with a cheap or free way to bounce your fairies back to your yep. hand yep so you can like reuse etb effects or that kind of thing that would be cool after this is Minotaur, we're starting to get into the jank, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. So Minotaurs technically have a tribal commander, but I don't want to discard cards. Yeah. I want to make inappropriate jokes about big boys and didgeridoos. <laughs> That's what I want to do, and they're not letting me do that. I hope they understand at this point that tribal is a really big commitment. Yeah. To have it so that you only get the good Minotaur bonus when you have one or fewer cards in hand yeah. uh, is disgusting. Disgusting. Completely agree. Neheb, I'm glad that they killed you and made two better versions yeah. of you. <laughs> so after Minotaur is Berserker. There is a Berserker tribal commander. There is, and my love for her is like a truck. 
She's mono red. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the berserkers are mono red. There's some in black and green as well. Not many good ones though. Yeah, but if you wanted to build a berserker deck, you have Lovisa Cold Eyes, so you're good. Oh, yeah. Would it functionally change the card if they made it so that Lovisa Cold Eyes used batching technology? Probably not. You know that'd be cool. Moving on to the next creature type. We've got Tree Folk. So Tree Folk are concentrated in green, a little bit in black, a little bit in white. They have Doran as like a de facto commander. Yeah. Because Tree Folk tend to have low power, high toughness. They all work pretty well in that deck. If you ignore like the Voltron potential. Yeah. If you just like, la, 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 I'm not going to think about this. Yeah. Then, yeah, your guys can hit pretty hard. They don't really need a tribal commander. I think it's okay to just pass on that one. Next is Dwarf. There's 64 Dwarves in Magic. They're concentrated in white and red. There are some good ones. They have a commander with Dipala, Dwemer Pride. The problem with Dipala is that, like, paying the mana just sucks. Like, these are really yeah. bad colors for ramp. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's true. It's, it's, you don't have X to pay every turn to draw cards. Yeah, so, like, there are not that many Dwarves. Yeah. There's not that many That's vehicles yeah. either. I feel like a better version of Dipala would be like, I don't care about the plus one plus one bonus for either dwarves or vehicles. Really don't need that. If you can just make it so that instead of paying X, it's just like checking somewhere else. Like maybe when it becomes tapped, look at the top X cards of your library where X is Dipala's power or where X is the number of dwarves and vehicles on the battlefield. Something that requires a little work to make happen, but just isn't mana. Because spending a bunch of mana to draw maybe one card in four, like an average tribal deck is like, maybe you're running 25 to 30 members of the tribe. Yeah. So that means that for every three mana you pump in, you're getting one card. That's an abysmal rate. And you're already jumping through the hoop of finding a way to tap my commander that doesn't put her at risk and this severe deck building restriction. Yeah. Dwarves. Wow. They bad. There's a lot of scattered creature types from here on but i think there's a few we wanted to hit on there's like three or four that we want to hit yeah just trust that if we're skipping something at this point it's because it's not good and you probably should yeah or it's like lizards where there's only six good lizards yeah we're getting into like the limited fodder tribes at this point like the rule is that they will be bad and we're just going to cover the exceptions to that rule. yeah definitely if you feel like looking for something like a lizard or a drone or something like please do but we're not gonna mention it right here drone is a funny creature type though in that 52 out of 62 drones are also eldrazi <laughs> so there's no point in no doing point. drone tribal so funny the next one we want to talk about is spell shaper so spell shapers are actually pretty cool. They're in all five colors. Yep. They were only in two blocks. They mm. were in Mercadian Masks block and in Time Spiral block. And they all have abilities that you pay a certain amount of mana, tap it, discard a card, and give you some sort of effect. And most of the time they are trying to emulate a spell that existed, make it so that any card in your hand becomes that spell. There's about 20 good ones, although if you want to stretch that a little further, you can try, but 20 that like you wouldn't be embarrassed to run where the effect is good. What do you think would be some ways to build around those characteristics? Yeah, so they all have certain things in common. They all have discard outlets. They all have the tap abilities, and you spend mana for all of them. There's like an activation on all of them. So a good one would be haste. That's like not super exciting. I think a spicier one would be like something with madness or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're discarding cards, give your cards madness. 
I like the idea of haste. I think that's got to be on there. Mm-hmm. And then I like the idea of madness zero. So that <laughs> so that what you can do is just like you've got some spell shapers on the battlefield and then like all my mana open pass at my opponent's turn right before I untap. I'm going to activate my spell shapers, discard some more spell shapers, cast them for free, untap, and then like I have even more spell shapers and I can do even more things. Yeah. And it'll help you like dodge board wipes that way because you're playing at instant speed and can do things at the very end of your opponent's turn. Yeah, super cool. I would like to briefly talk about assassins. Heck yeah. There's a lot of good assassins in part because like the main characteristic of this tribe is that they kill things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's that's pretty useful in Commander. Oh heck yeah. Even though they don't have that many members, there's 30 good ones yeah. and I think that one ability that seems pretty useful is if you grant your assassins the ability to ping because there's a lot of death touch assassins and there's a lot of assassins that like when they enter the battlefield, destroy a creature that was dealt damage this turn. Pinging turns on both of those abilities and makes it so you can just easily slaughter your opponent's creatures. Next is going to be skeletons because skeletons need love too. Skeletons regenerate or return from the graveyard. They're pretty much all black or black something. There's yeah. not a white skeleton, art jokes aside. Uh-huh. They could have death touch. That's a pretty good one to give your skeletons because they can chump and just trade. Yeah. You get them back. I also like the idea activated abilities of skeletons you control cost B less to activate. Oh, that's pretty funny. (laughs) Because there are so, so, so many skeletons that are just B regenerate this creature. Yeah. Make it so that it's free to regenerate them is pretty solid, but that might be too good. Honestly, just giving them death touch is probably fine. It's great that this is one of the rare creature types that is naturally super resistant to board wipes. Yeah. Skeleton, even though like most of the members are limited fodder, like the fact that you can make regenerate heinous really easily means that they're super primed for just the right commander to come along that'll be great if that actually happens all right we have one last tribe that we're going to cover today yes this is shades they're mono black you probably remember them from insert limited card here surprisingly they only have 27 members Mm mm-hmm If you were to run every single member of the tribe, you would just barely have enough to make a deck work. How are you going to do that? And I think that it's as simple as like whenever a shade attacks, add BB. I think that's really all you need in order to make it work. Yeah. They want to get big. They want mana. Yeah, they want mana. So like a way to make mana or even like a lot of mana for shades. Because one of the things about designing cards and designing commanders is like you want to look out for like free mana. You want to look out for cost reduction. You want to look out for easy cards. And there's ways to do that. And there's ways to reward that, that both are super busted or super like not busted. And if you're using mana to pump shades, that's definitely a pretty fair use of your mana. For people listening who want to design a shade commander, like I think that's a cool way to go about it. Uh, you just got to be careful of like how much and how you get said mana. And you could put some restrictions on that too, like spend this mana only to activate ability of shades you control. Mm-hmm. And it would also be nice if they had some sort of until end of turn, this mana doesn't empty at the end of yeah. phases or steps so that you can do some tricky things. Like how are you blocking? Yeah. No, I like also the attack trigger on the shades because it forces you to kind of play fair. I would be wary, but excited to look at a shade commander 
Also, we skipped over a lot of creatures that you might like. Maybe you really like Kavu. Maybe you really liked Mercenaries. Maybe you really liked Vaishino. Who knows? But you can tell us. Let us know. These are just the opportunities that we identified. Yeah. But maybe there are other things out there that you think would work pretty well. Let us know. There's certainly a lot of design space for tribal commanders, and Mm -hmm. we're excited to see what you all come up with. I think that you can design tribes in such a way that they are super fun and they're interesting. And I think when people think of tribal, they think of like elves mm-hmm. or they think of like goblins or they think of merfolk. But the, and specifically like the 60 card versions of these decks mm-hmm. where in commander, like most tribal decks are pretty different from each other in commander. And I think that's one of the things that makes it really cool. That's all we have for today. We're going to start off next week with M20 previews. If you guys want to submit some custom cards to address these gaps in tribal decks, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then we'll try to feature them on that episode so we can talk about them some more. Anyway, I want to thank our Patreon patrons, Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, and Charlotte. You guys keep the lights on here in the studio. We really appreciate you. And if you are not currently a patron but would like to become one, please check out patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>